630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, here we go. Hockey tonight, just two games in the NHL. Maple Leafs and Rangers 1-1 with about seven minutes left in the first period. Coming up in a few minutes, Chicago will take on Boston. Oilers couldn't get it going last night against Arizona. A 3-0 defeat against the Coyotes. They will play the Sharks tomorrow at Rogers Place. The face-off show on 6.30. Chad will start at 6. The game is at 7.30. Well, we have a, a lot to get to tonight. Florida Panthers defenseman Mark Pesic is going to join us later on in the show the kid from Sherwood Park with his first NHL hat trick on Monday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs Brett Hedekin former San Jose Shark now a broadcaster for the team will check in tonight you'll hear from the Taya Jay pretty popular member of the Edmonton Eskimos for the last few years cut on the weekend and has now signed with the Toronto Argos this has a big effect on the Tay's family as well because they had moved out from Toronto all storylines we're going to get to but I am going to go into the audio vault first of all before we bring on our first guest first of all this little snippet from january of 1989 kelly rudy masks mask off fist flying frightening image and then how about this from February of 1985. Look at Ben Beesbrook now talking to Sutter. Look at Sutter. He's going after Sutter. Ben Beesbrook did And here him. comes Kelly Rooney. Uh-oh, he's going after Ben Beesbrook. This could go, the bench has been empty. All right, well, with Talbot and Smith going at it on Saturday, a lot of discussion around goalies fighting and our weekly feature guest on Inside Sports, Kelly Rooney. No stranger to getting involved when needed. Kelly, those were your uh, two NHL fights, at least according to HockeyFights.com, which is a pretty fun website. Well, you know, you go back to that first one with uh, John Van Diesbrook. Uh, you know, i got to tell you, I, I thought at the moment it was the right thing to do, but I'm kind of embarrassed. And I'm, you know what, the number one thing is, Reed, when you go back to that night, I was so mad at myself because for whatever dumb reason, I chose to wear brand-new pads. I'd only been practicing with them a couple weeks, and back then you had to really break in pads. It's not like now where you can basically take them out of a box and wear them. I had to try and break these in. I thought I was ready, so I wore those pads for the first time against our bitter rival, the New York Rangers, in MSG, and I knew the importance of the game because Al Arbor would always remind us that we're playing the Rangers and, and we've got to be at our best. And so I knew Al would have been mad at me because I wore new pads and we're losing 7-3 late in the second period. So I was fuming. I knew there's no question in my mind uh, I was going to get pulled at the end of the period and Billy Smith was going to play the third period. So this whole thing breaks out, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, the only way maybe that I can kind of save face with Al is if I get involved because there's a big scrum going on in, uh, in the Rangers' end. Uh, Van Beesbrook was getting involved with uh, Dwayne Sutter. What a surprise there, right? Dwayne Sutter getting involved with uh, with Beezer. But the, the thing that I'm most embarrassed about, Reed, I don't think I've shared this with you. Uh, my wife Donna had come in from Long Island, and uh, our lawyer, Lloyd Friedland, and his wife Carol were coming in from Long Island. 
because they Lloyd represented John as well. So the six of us were going to go for dinner after the game, and of course I ruined that moment by uh, doing that that stupid thing, racing all the way down the ice. And you know, I, in the moment it seemed like the right thing to do, and I, I was always really feisty, but that wasn't the time to do that. But going back, I shouldn't have worn the pads, and in all likelihood, I wouldn't have been in that situation. But crazy i you know i i want to go talk about saturday though and mike smith and talbot uh two things i'm not sure why uh, mike smith would go to center in that situation when you're winning and want to get involved uh it's different if you're losing and i i didn't think you put costman in the best situation although costman was outrageously good for that about five minute stretch in the middle of the third period so it turned out to be nothing wrong i will give mike smith tons of credit though because he's much tougher than Talbot, and I thought when he had Talbot down and out on the ice, he could have really clocked him, and he didn't. And especially that last punch, if you ask me, uh, he meant to miss him because he could have got him pretty darn good. And so I give uh, Mike Smith credit for that, that he had a player in a dangerous situation, and he didn't take advantage of it. Well, why did he go to center ice? I, th- I think, why not, Kelly? <laughs> I mean, they're caught up well, in it. Everything's going on. I, I think it was yeah, just one of those. Right. I mean, you know, somebody called in to, to Rob and I last night and said, why did Kachuk fight Bear? And, and Rob and I said, I think Bear was 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 all in in that situation. You, you're not worrying about who's bigger, who's smaller. The hate's boiling over, and you're just ready to go with anybody. Well, and that was a good thing. And I, I agree with what you're saying with Mike Smith going to center because uh, Talbot is giving uh, Sam Gagne some business there. So, But I'm just, from a goaltender standpoint, I'm not big in getting involved in a fight uh, when you're up 6-3 and there's 24 seconds left in a second period. That's not the time to take a fight. Uh, the win is more important. But having said that, I didn't mind it Like from a, uh, you know, entertainment standpoint, and I know a lot of people liked it and had the hockey world talking. Like Elliot Friedman said it really well at the end of the night. It was an 8-3 Oilers victory, and that's one of the uh, uh, funnest games we've covered in a long, long time. And uh, so, you know, entertainment value. It was all these uh, Oilers bat- battles of Alberta have been terrific this year. Well, they have been, and it'd be great if there was one in the playoffs. And there's there's a lot to sort out in the Pacific Division. Five teams right. fighting for those for those spots. And what's funny too is a lot of the preseason picks were that the Central Division would get both wild card spots. Well, right now it's the Pacific Division teams that have those spots. So that would turn around what a lot of people predicted. Kelly, I'm just going to throw you back on hold so you can hear this clip. You know, last night the Oilers couldn't get anything going against Arizona. Uh, credit to the Coyotes. They disrupted a lot of the Oilers' attack. They they owned the the front of the net defensively. They, they broke up a lot of passes that the Oilers were trying to connect on. Dave Tippett after the game. We didn't have much juice tonight. I was worried about that yesterday. I was worried about it this morning, and I was worried about it before the game. So we just finished three real emotional games, real hard games. You could tell our, we didn't have much in the tank. And uh, you, know, you, can, you can tell when guys are... They're trying to try, but there's just nothing there. And that's when you're trying to try, they're looking at you coming off, and you're kind of look at them. I've got any more, and they're looking. I'm got everything. That's all I got. So that's where we were tonight. I thought that was an interesting phrase, Kelly. They're trying to try. Rob Brown and I after the game on overtime open line. Rob said, you know, 
Uh, I know probably, you know, fans don't like hearing that if, if they invested two and a half hours to watch the game. But Rob said he'd, he'd been there as a player. You're, you're trying to try and you just can't get it going. When you hear that, what, what does that bring to mind? Well, I laugh because uh, I could totally relate to what Tippett was saying. You know, some nights you are trying. You're, you know what, uh, Reed, you're trying to manufacture some sort of enthusiasm. And you know the coach is looking at you like, you got to give me a little bit more here. And you're kind of looking at him like, trust me, I'm trying here. I, I, would, I had all these little tricks for myself. If I wasn't feeling it and I really knew it in warm-up, uh, one of my things I like to do is, uh, during the National Anthem, just take a good look around in the stands and see 16,000 people or 19,000 people uh, paid money to come watch myself and my buddies play hockey. And, and that sometimes got me going a little bit because that's pretty special, pretty unique. Other things, you're, you're trying to manufacture even more hate for the opposition. And sometimes you can drag it out of yourself and other nights, you know, you're, you're taking your gear off at the end of the night and you're completely exhausted. You didn't, you didn't give as much as you normally do, but that's, that's all you've got. And it's frustrating uh, to go through that, but you do recognize uh, in an 82-game schedule, uh, you're going to have some nights where you're just out of juice completely. And, and I totally agree with Tippett. It, it's usually after a week that they had with really emotional games. And, and then you go to a place like Arizona so you fly to Arizona, everybody's in a good mood, maybe a little bit less focused on the game itself, and then all of a sudden game time arrives and you're trying to pull every trick out of the book that you've used in your entire life to try and get you going, and some nights it's just not there. Yeah, and Arizona, tough spell. They'd been winless in their last five, so they're playing a little desperate like the Oilers would have been coming out of their tough time before Christmas. Yeah. So so back and forth we go in the Pacific. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a good race. I think for the Oilers, you just can't have an extended slump. So hopefully they bounce back tomorrow against the Sharks, which leads me to my next question. The Sharks, uh, you know, gave uh, Calgary a rough ride last night, winning 3-1. Joe Thornton got to point 1,500. And, and you know it, this it, it's a fun it's a fun time of year because you know with Oilers fans and and Rob and I after games we've been through too many seasons where it's what are their lottery odds who are they going to sell off and now it's like okay who could they acquire what would you be willing to give up and uh, a caller called in last night and said would you trade a fourth rounder for Joe Thornton if he would come be an Oiler for a playoff drive and I said well I I'd, I'd certainly think of that. Um, you know, his points obviously aren't as gaudy as they were earlier in his career, but he's, he's a veteran player, and players with hands tend, tend to still be able to use them even when they get a little older. I mean, what do you think as, as, as something like that? Is that an avenue the Oilers should look down, or even Marlowe? You know, is that, would that be a viable addition if the Oilers could pull it off? Well, you, you, first of all, I think uh, the GM, Ken Holland, has to talk to the coach, Dave Tippett, and figure out, if they're trying to go down that road, where would either of those players fit in? Uh, where would you slot them in your lineup? Would you use them? In what situations would you use them? Because you're, you're not going to bring in a guy like Joe Thornton when you have uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, your two top centers, and, and then Thornton's going to get six minutes of ice time. He, he just doesn't thrive that way. Um, you know, the, the mind is still there. I watched or I covered the game last night. He had two assists for... It's 1,500th point. It's fascinating to watch a guy, but he, he's lost some speed for sure. And, and I, I'm 
I'm conflicted because I like him so much and I know what he can add at times. But then I go back to the playoffs last year. I believe in the last round when they lost out, he had a, a great first game in that series. And then he was just worn out and he didn't contribute much the rest of the series. I was looking for one big game, one more big game from him. And he just didn't have it. Kind of like the previous conversation we had. You know, you're looking at the player. He's looking at you. And you're wondering, can you give me a little bit more? And I thought Joe ran out of gas last year when the Sharks were eliminated. But, you know, that's an interesting question for Brett Hedekin. I know you have coming up. He covers them on a daily basis. I really trust his opinion. So he might see it a little bit differently than I do. Now, Marlowe is a different guy because his legs are still there. Like, he's going to give you... Uh, an effort every night in terms of giving you speed and, and what you're asking of him. The other question is for Pat, like where does he fit in? Same sort of thing. I mean, uh, he's a, he's a good cap number because I think he signed for the league minimum. Yeah, like so, seven fifty uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's going to fit in there. Um, the question is, would he want to be moved? I mean, he and his family moved back to San Jose. They've got a beautiful place there. And, and I actually, I was texting with him on Monday, and uh, he was talking about how busy his life is, not only with his hockey, but when he's back in San Jose, they have four kids. And so he and his wife, Christina, are driving all over the place for the kids' activities. So, I mean, would he, would he have any appetite to change that sort of life as well? I don't know. I'm just saying how, how the conversation went with he and I about how busy and uh, life is changing for him with the kids and how busy. So all important questions, and you've got to find the right guy, the right mix, but they're two incredibly uh, uh, gifted players and both Hall of Famers. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what a team like uh, like the Sharks w- will do. Uh, I mean, I know they beat Calgary last night, but where they are, uh, I mean, you're looking with about 60 points remaining. They'd have to get... 50 to make it you know so yeah. so you know you might look and say oh well they're 10 12 points out but it's but that's a that's a pretty wide gap at this time you know the one thing i learned about them yesterday again reed you look at the lineup and yeah they're missing some really important pieces and carlson eric hasn't been as good as he he needs to be pretty inconsistent burns is struggling a little bit but uh, they're going to give you an honest effort like i thought Vlasic was really good last night uh, a lot better than he had been the last couple of years. And uh, some of the other guys, uh, they, they came to play. Kevin LeBanc, really underrated. Um, so that is not going to be an easy test tomorrow. Kelly, before I let you go, I, I got a texter named The Big L who has a great sense of humor. He says, Reed, Kelly has nothing to be embarrassed about. He was an entertaining goalie during a great era of hockey. In fact, he should write a book called From Pugilist to Pierogies, the Kelly Rudy story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to consider that. I have to uh, send a text to Kirsty McClellan Day, my co-author of there, the first book. There's your next one. <laughs> Kelly, thanks for hopping on tonight. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. My pleasure, Reed. Thanks. See you, bud. Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender, grew up in Edmonton, now an analyst for the NHL on Rogers. We're back in a couple of minutes.
tuning in tonight. Probably uh, heard this. Jay Lynn was playing uh, an obituary at the end of her show. Uh, Kirk Douglas, all-time great Hollywood actor, passing away today at the age of 103. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Kirk Douglas, what a life, what a career. Can also tell you, if you have the social media app called Instagram, you can go to this 630Ched story on that. If you know how to use Instagram, and we're doing this thing this week where you can ask a host a question. And tonight, I'm that host. So if you would like to uh, ask me a question on Instagram, go to 630Ched, and you can type your question into the, the little box. And then after the show, between 8 and 9, I'll be answering questions, and then maybe you'll get your question answered on Instagram. Kellen, you, you can't do it. I see your wheels turning in your head. Not you, okay? Any okay. co-workers listening, this applies to all of you. This is for listeners, not co-workers, to, like, write in and be like, what color are your gaunch? You know, have you ever brushed your teeth? Stuff like that. No. I'll just run in and yell at you like I normally do. <laughs> yes, you could just run in and yell a question at me. That would be appropriate. Hey, don't forget, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics, spun with a modern twist, northchickenyeg.com. They're 124th Street, 107th Ave. Great spot. And uh, a little bit later on the show, Listen for this. We're going to be giving away a couple of tickets to the Oilers-Sharks game tomorrow night. Brett Hedekin, color analyst, Sharks Radio Network, coming up after the news. tuning in tonight quiet night in the nhl just two games 12 minutes in no score chicago and boston the rangers lead toronto 3-1 after the first period chris Kreider has scored in that game his 19th of the year Tavares gets his 20th for toronto rangers have the lead oilers will be back at it tomorrow against the san jose sharks uh, you know kelly rudy and i were talking about it it's, it's really become a story over the last few weeks the pacific division so competitive with the top five point totals vancouver 65 Edmonton 62, Vegas and Arizona both 61, Calgary at 60. Then it drops off to the San Jose Sharks who have 50 points. So it's uh, it's tough here for San Jose despite the win against Calgary last night. Anaheim 49, LA is in last place at 43. It could be uh, no playoff hockey in California this spring. To discuss that and other storylines, our good buddy, Brett Hedekin from the San Jose Sharks radio booth. Brett, you're on with Reed. Good to talk to you again, man. How's life? Uh, doing good, Reed. Thanks for uh, for having me on talking Sharks, I guess. It's been a little bit of a, as you just mentioned, a tough season for the Sharks. But uh, overall, good to, good to chat with you again. Yeah, well, it's always fun to have you on the show, and it, it's still it's still a bit of a topic, even though it was a few days ago. So I, I gotta I gotta ask you, um, Battle of Alberta Saturday night goalie fight. Um, were you ever involved? 
in a game with a goalie fight or maybe even fight a goalie yourself. I know that wasn't your game, but sometimes <laughs> when you were a younger gentleman, those types of things happened. Yeah, those, those sorts of things happen. And, no, I, I tell you, it was a lot of fun to watch the Battle of Alberta uh, kind of get re- reignited, if you will. Um, you know, I, you know, playing in Vancouver for all those years and, and having the competitive games against Edmonton Oilers and all the, the competitive games against Calgary Flames, you know, just the whole Western Canada rivalry between all three of those teams, I think is I love it when it's fierce. And, and it was some really good hockey over the last couple of games with you guys and, and just watching it go down and, the emotion it drives from people and the emotion it, it raises players' level. And I think even when you get goaltenders stepping in and dropping their helmets off at center ice, and uh, I know a lot of people don't like fighting in hockey, but, you know, sometimes it's, it's a man's game out there, you know, and we got, we got a, a chance to settle our scores right on the ice, and, and, and then after we can have a beer and say, hey, you got me with that one, but I'll be back next game. Yeah, I don't know if the Oilers and Flames had any beers together. <laughs> it's, no, it's pretty. No. It's pretty. Down, down the road, you can say that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, many years down the road. But, 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 but honestly, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't remember. Remember, I guess having a goaltending fight, uh, and I never fought a goaltender. To answer your question, no, Reed, I um, never fought a goaltender. But I, I, I'm trying to think back in all my days. I guess 17 years, been hit in the head with a few pucks. I guess I don't remember a, a goaltending duel that I was a part of. I guess. Yeah, well, they're pretty rare. I mean, this was the first one in about six and a half years, so they they, they don't happen a lot for sure. Uh, Brett, talking about the Sharks, uh, I, I mean, man, uh, first of all, just tell us about the injury situation. Let's start there, the injury situation and the impact this has had on the lineup. Well, it's, you know, let's call it what it is. They When they were healthy, they were struggling as well, so it, it, let's not all blame it on the injuries, although you know, now that they're trying to get themselves, you know, back into a playoff race, as you mentioned, pretty a tight, you know, close competitive Pacific division. It's really up for grabs, if you will. And had the Sharks had a couple of good weeks, um, you know, even in in November, I think they'd be in that mix right now, but they had a terrible November and uh, they find themselves well out of the playoff spots. But Logan Couture goes down first. Uh, That was one that, you know, the Sharks got away with for a couple of games and they hit the road which is really a three-game road trip before the All-Star break, where, heck, they, they won the two at home prior without Logan, and had they went on the road before the break and won at least a couple of those games out of the three, they might have put themselves within a striking distance, but they lost all three of them. And then, obviously, uh, coming back, Tomas Hurdle gets hurt after the great performance he had in the All-Star game, which, for me, you could almost sense, like, you know, people got to see his personality. He was able to finally rub elbows with the best players in the league. I think he maybe realized for the first time in his career that, hey, he's one of them, right? I mean, he's, it's almost a mental thing with some players where they realize that, holy cow, I am one of the best in the league, and I can do it every night. And when he got back after that All-Star uh, weekend, boy, he looked really good uh, in the game that uh, he was playing and then ends up getting hurt. So it's just a tough scenario for the Sharks. They've got two of the you know four centermen that are hurt because Joel Shellman, a guy that they had called up, he got hurt the other night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, uh, in theory, they've got, uh, you know, and then Auntie Suomela, another young player that was called up. So they've had literally four centermen that are out of the lineup a- as we speak. Man, that, that, that is tough. And, and another thing that happened this season was, was the coaching change back on December 11th. I've been through this here covering the Oilers, Brett, and, and you got to change coaches. Something's going wrong. The coach uh, often takes the fall. How would you describe the, the transition from DeBoer to Bugner? 
Um, well, the transition has been, you know, pretty good for the most part. I mean, I know Bob coached under Pete DeBoer, you know, prior to going to Florida and was part of the crew that took the team, the Sharks, to the Stanley Cup Finals and lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2016. So Bob had familiarity with uh, Pete DeBoer um, and then obviously had a head coaching job in Florida for those few years before they just let him go. Um, you know, and then got, you know, rehired by Pete over the course of the summer. And I think, you know, what, what you're seeing is um, a little change in philosophy with regard to um, in the offensive zone as far as that third guy high, third forward in that top position, darting in too soon. He's been having that guy hold a little bit longer, wait for the other two forwards to kind of uh, get back, get them, themselves in a better defensive posture before they run at a player, but obviously want to force them before the red line. And then, and then in the defensive zone, uh, keeping a little bit tighter uh, five-man unit, Uh, in the defensive zone much better there as well. So I think he's made a couple of small adjustments with regard to, um, you know, the overall structure of what he wants to do. But overall, you're looking at a pretty similar uh, transition or a pretty seamless transition. Brett Hedekin joining us tonight on Inside Sports, former NHLer, now an analyst for the Sharks Radio Network, San Jose, Edmonton, tomorrow here on 6.30, Chad, 6 o'clock face-off show. The game will start at 7.30 at Rogers Place. Okay, I, I got to throw a couple at you here. Uh, you know, the shark, I mean, the, the, the script is, is flipped for these two teams. For most of the last 15 years, it was San Jose competing for a playoff spot and the Oilers were out of it. it it's flipped this year. So the Oilers might try to add a player or two. San Jose maybe might make a deal and, and get some guys they might be able to use down the road or draft picks. A caller called in to Rob Brown and I last night and said, "Would if you could add Joe Thornton, you know, for a pick or something, would you do that? That's that's kind of an interesting one to me. Uh, what What's your sense of what San Jose might do with somebody like Thornton? And if Joe might be interested in saying, well, you know what, put me somewhere, I could maybe take one more crack at it. What do you think? Um, well, I think Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton would be you know, great additions to any lineup uh, that you're looking to add a player that has all those years of experience and that can make plays. I mean, you know, obviously Joel Thornton last night had two assists in the game. It gave him 800 assists uh, in a San Jose Shark uniform. That's after he was drafted by the Bruins. Think about that, folks. I mean, he had 800 assists with the second team he played on. That's obviously a record for the Sharks. And then his 1,500th point of his NHL career last night as well, both on the same night. And if you look at, you know, 14th, ever to do 1500 games or 1500 points in the nhl incredible job for joe thornton but um i think it's going to completely be up to both those guys as individuals i know doug wilson if, if he were to ask either one of those players hey you want to go try to win a cup somewhere if somebody calls and asks about you do you want to go it's really going to be up to both those guys and i'm sure doug wilson is that type of guy that would offer both of those players you know with the respect that they have for one another um to, to offer them to, to have a chance to win a stanley cup if i were patrick marlowe and joe thornton i would 100 percent want to go try to win a stanley cup i mean i know you want to retire a shark but you can always do that down the road i, I think you know to, to have an opportunity at the stanley cup you don't ever you don't get those chances often and uh, you know, once you've won it with a group of men, you realize why it's so addicting, you know. And, and I I lost two Stanley Cups, right, before I won one. But when you win it, you see all those intangible things about a team that make it successful. Uh, and it's the love for one another, but it's also the, the depth of your lineup that needs to be solid throughout. You need players like Thornton that have been in the fire before and that can still make plays. 
Well, and, and I think that's really appropriate how you put that, that if teams call... Doug Wilson probably goes to those players and say, hey, here, here are the seven teams that have called me. Do you want me to call back, right? They've earned that at this right. point in their career, for sure. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, without question, I think that's how that's going to go down. Okay, Brett, i got I got to have a couple fun ones with you here. Uh, the, the Oilers have gone 8-2-2 two two since they called Kyler Yamamoto up from the minors. He has 10 points in 12 games. He's uh, really enjoying playing with Dreisaitl and Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Best or most effective small player you ever had as a teammate or an opponent? Uh, Cliff Ronning. Yeah. <laughs> I think Cliff Ronning and Ray Whitney. I think both those two guys would probably be, you know, 1A and 1B. Um, you know, Cliff Ronning, one of the most competitive guys I've ever played with. Um, fierce, fierce competitor. And, I, and Ray Whitney is not too far behind. Um, obviously, you guys all know, you know, both of those players well. Um, Cliff Browning playing in Vancouver for all those years. I'm sure you've seen enough of him. You know, they called him the rat. And then you got, uh, you know, Ray Whitney, the wizard. But, uh, you know, the wizard for me, I played with him in Florida. You know, we played a few years there together. And then when he joined us in Carolina, his personality was perfect for us in a, I wouldn't call him a leadership role because we had plenty of leaders. And he, he, although he is a leader, without question, he's an alpha male. I mean, if you met Ray, you'd know he's an alpha male. But I would say that when you look at Witt, he's got that ability with the confidence that he has to make plays under any circumstance. And both those guys, I would 100% take on my team any day of the week and twice on Sunday because of how much of competitors they are. All right. And here's my last one, Brett. You were known as one of the the best skaters in the NHL in your era. There's so much speed and tempo to the game now. Do you, like, if you were in the NHL now in your prime, where do you think you would rank as a skater? I, I think I'd be fine. I mean, I, I don't think the game... Listen, I, I think the top players, the top skating players that I played with, could compete compete today i mean that's i mean yeah i think overall when you look at line one through line four the particularly the third and fourth liners they can skate as well as the first and second liners and in some cases maybe even better well not better than Connor mcdavid obviously but <laughs> but the third fourth line players now can skate as well um as those top six forwards and i would say that's the difference between the NHL today and when I played. But the top end guys, are you telling me Pavel Bure is not as explosive as McDavid? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, and I, I, mean I, I think, you know, Pavel Bure for me was incredibly powerful. You know, Scott Niedermeyer, what a, what a skater he was in all those years. I mean, yeah, you've got some players today, uh, you know, the, the kid uh, Quinn Hughes out of uh, Vancouver who's being, you know, kind of compared to a guy like Niedermeyer in the way he skates. Um, but yeah, I, I, first of all, I appreciate the comment and, and the, the compliment. But you know, I think I do just fine. I, I, I think the skating ability of, of the top end guys when I played could, could compete today. And I mean, although again, it's it's the relevance of the whole lineup versus where I when I played, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you could you could definitely wheel. That's why I just wondered if you ever if you ever thought like, ah, oh, yeah, I could do what that guy does or yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's, well, it's, it's, it's you know. <laughs> That's hard to say, you know. I mean, like you're going to be braggadocious and you know say that hey, I can skate with these guys out there today. Hey, I'm listen. I, I don't think I could skate with Connor McDavid. I know that much. That guy is just phenomenal. For me as a skater, 
I absolutely love watching this guy skate. Obviously, I love watching him play hockey in general, but when I see him on his edges, and the, the goal he scored the other night, that highlight reel where he, he cut in, he set the move up, and then he cut outside. I mean, for me to have you know an inch and a half to two inches of blade on the ice and to be in complete control of that eighth-inch piece of steel with an inch and a half of blade on the ice where he can maneuver, and all of that is all connected to the end of his stick to that puck. That is a phenomenal thing to watch, and, and I'll tell you, it's, it's a treat to watch Connor McDavid skate with the puck. Yeah, and, and you never know when he's going to break out and pull off a play like that, which is which is pretty fun. Brett, I, I know you've had a bit of a travel day and you probably got some work to do, so thanks for, for checking in tonight on Inside Sports. Always love having you on the show, and I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. It sounds good, Reed. Thanks for having me. That is Brett Hedekin. Definitely great skater when he played and a great broadcaster now from the Sharks Radio Network checking in. Oh, you know what, Kellen? Ooh. We're going to give away some Oilers tickets. Ooh. We have a pair of tickets to the Oilers Sharks tomorrow. It's Thirsty Thursdays. If you're 18 or over, you get $5 cans of Molson Canadian and Coors Light through the end of the first intermission. So you have to answer a trivia question live on air. 780-496-0063. We've kind of been talking about players that uh, the Oilers could potentially add. So this is going to be uh, a question about an Oilers trade deadline acquisition in recent years who had a pretty big impact with the team. So there's your hint, and then I'll give you the question live on air when we get back. tuning in okay so we're giving away a pair of Oilers tickets to the game against the Sharks tomorrow Thirsty Thursday until the end of the first intermission $5 cans of Molson Canadian Coors Light and uh, the Oilers trying to get back into the wind column against San Jose so I will ask the question now and uh, then I will bring on the first contestant who will have 10 seconds to answer it. And if he is not correct, he or she is not correct, the subsequent people will have five seconds to answer it because they've already heard the question. The Oilers acquired a player on February 29th, 2016, that, that trade deadline that year from the Anaheim Ducks, who went on to have a pretty big offensive impact with the Oilers the next season. Who was that player the Oilers got from the Ducks February 29th, 2016? Dustin, do you know who it was? No. Do you want to take a wild guess? You, what was the quote you said uh, we acquired from the Ducks in 2016, then he went on to have a... Yeah. Career with the Oilers, and he still plays for the Oilers. No, no, he had a he had a really big impact on the Oilers the next season. Oh, gee, I can't remember. Uh, okay, February twenty sixth, twenty nineteen. I got I to go on, Dustin. I'm sorry, buddy. Andrew, do you know? Yeah, Patrick Maroon. Patrick Maroon, absolutely. Now, do you remember uh, what the Oilers gave up in that deal? 
that you've already won the tickets. This is just bonus to prove how smart you are. <laughs> you still there, Andrew? We didn't lose him, did we? I don't think so. It looks like he's still there. He's still there. Check with him. Well, because he got it, so we got to get the info. Uh, Patrick Maroon is the right answer. February 29, 2016. So the that was their final year at uh, at Rexall Place. They were not in the playoff hunt. They traded Martin Gurnat and a fourth-round pick to the Ducks for Maroon. Maroon joined the Oilers, got eight goals, 14 points in the final 16 games of the season. And then, of course, in 16-17, Played most of the year with Dry Settle McDavid. Had a huge season, 27 goals, 42 points, 95 penalty minutes, plus 13. Big reason why the Oilers ended their uh, postseason drought that year. Somebody texted in Victor Faust. Remember him? He was a goaltender. And that would have been uh, a year or two before that. All right. Do, do we get Andrew? Kellen, do we need to put? A, do we need to get him to call back, or you got him? He's on hold. Okay, perfect. He won the tickets. Good stuff for Andrew. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs having their parade, having their rally. You're going to love this. Tight end Travis Kelsey. 21 years. Well, how about that? I'm going to walk this wall. How about 21 years? Y'all know what that means? Everybody here is thinking, oh, that's when I can, you know what I mean, legally get a drink. Yeah. No. 21 years. That's how That's how long it's just been turning for my guy Andy Reid. Mm, it's just been turning and turning and turning. And what we do? What we do? We unleash a can of whoop-ass for everybody. 24 nothing. I ain't trying to hear it. Shout 10. I ain't trying to hear it. Fourth quarter, six and whatever left on the clock. Down 10. Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, baby. How about Sammy Watkins? Woo! How about Damian Williams? Woo! How about my dog, 5'5", five, five, and he ain't on sides? What's good? That is Travis Kelsey from the Kansas City Chiefs. Possibly excited that they won the Super Bowl. Possibly enjoys being coached by Andy Reid and having Patrick Mahomes for a quarterback. I might have to listen to that audio again to really get the gist of it. I don't know if you saw this earlier, Kellen. Was Jay Lynn talking about this? The most romantic cities in Canada? Yes. Fort McMurray was number one. Number one. That is amazing. Well, if you're listening in Fort McMurray, text something romantic to 780-496-0063. Edmonton 15th, right between Cranbrook and Pembroke, Ontario. Fort McMurray, congratulations. Natea Jay, no longer an Eskimo, going back to the Argos. He'll tell the story next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.